Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So today is a day of celebration. Not only are we celebrating the fact that our graduates will be uh, graduating next week, but uh, there's some other changes um, in our congregation and in our community that, uh, that I want to talk about today. And I want to tie that in with um, this very special Sunday. This is Ascension Sunday. I haven't mentioned that yet, but this is the day we celebrate Jesus ascending into heaven. And we're calling it the commencement, right? Um, and that's the beginning of something new. And speaking of the beginning of something new, sometimes when something's beginning, some other things are ending. So is Julie still around? Where, did, where is Julie? And Pat, could you come up here for a second, please? Yeah, come on up here, sir. I just want to just talk with you guys really quick. Yeah. So Pat and Julie have been here for, what, 63 years is it now, Pat? Is it something like that? Is that <laughs> No, oh, hey, there's Julie. <laughs> I'm ballparking it. Okay, so thanks for coming up here. All right, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Is this not? Uh... Check. Hey, oh, there we go. All right, so. Yeah, right. I do have a, I do have a box of Scotties over here because we are in we are in Ocado Falls, right? We don't use Kleenexes here. That's what I've been told before. All right. So, how many years have you guys been here? It's not. Is it? It's sixty three. This is ballpark, right? At Grace or in Ocado Falls? Well, how about both? Twenty eight Ocado Falls. Twenty eight Ocado Falls and five at Grace. Twenty five at Grace. Have you been? Have you been playing that whole time you've been here? playing organ and piano the whole time you've been here. So, yeah, so when people like this, um, you know, and it's, it's special when, when anybody, you know, kind of moves along from our congregation. And you're moving to down towards? Dodgeville. Dodgeville, and for the purpose of? Getting closer to family. Being closer to family. So you know you have a family here, so you never get away from this family here, right? But so there's times in our lives when things change and we just move along to different things. Again, and I wanted you guys, yeah, yeah, they're on the back, they're on the back screen too. Yeah, I know. And you're going to look back there. So, right, but I wanted you guys to hear this from them. I wanted just to have a moment to say, you know, this is what's happening. This is not just an ending. We might think of it as an ending, but it's a beginning of something new and of, uh, some new adventures. And Pat is standing over there like, if you put that mic in my face, I'm going to take it and I'm going to beat you with it. All right, so, so I'll just speak for Pat real quick here. <laughs> so, okay, so moving closer to family, and then you're going to be um, doing, what is it you're going to be doing down there? I'm going to work for Head Start, Head Start as yeah. a supervisor. Yeah, you're going to be amazing at that, by the way. So, yeah, so we're moving from one thing and on to a different thing after that. Okay, so uh, what about the house? Are we selling the house here? Yes. Else. And, and Pat, I have it on good word that I'm, I'm going to speak for Pat now. There's a garage sale that's going to be at my house coming up. We have a date for that garage sale. When are we going to have the garage sale? We, we got a garage Next sale coming weekend. up. Next weekend, we got a garage sale out of there. Are you going to sell the chickens or are those just kind of who uh, we adopt those or how are we going to do that? For the right price. Okay, he said that you had to, he said whoever bought the house had to get the chickens as well. So, okay, I didn't want to embarrass you guys any more than I absolutely had to, but I just couldn't let this go without um, saying uh, a little bit of something, a little bit of go. And Holly has taken care of uh, the business on this end over here. You want to take one of these now or I'm going to move them forever? Hold your peace. All right, you got you covered. So we got a couple of, of parting gifts for you. But like I said, when somebody this special in our congregation, everybody is obviously special. But Julie and Pat have been involved with uh, what's going on here. And Julie plays every Sunday. Holly, should they open it now or are we going to wait for that for later? They should open it now. All right. Holly said, I put a lot of work into this and I want everybody to see what we got here. By the way, we're going to have a little social afterwards. So hang around for a little afterwards. Oh, it's perfect. Yes. Yes, yes, right. Uh, that's going to gonna match the rest of your decor, huh? 
What's it say there? The Lord is my strength and my song. Ugh. Beautiful. So yeah, we're going to have coffee and some, and some treats and desserts afterwards. So make sure you tell these two, um, you know, good luck and things like that and how much we appreciate having them around here and what a big part of our family is going to be. Um, just kind of going out the door, and, but not far, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is where you applause to cover this. <laughs> And some chocolates. Oh, we're going to have these chocolates after the service. Okay, so that's going to go along with the coffee. Oh, and don't forget that keychain. Wow, nice job, Holly. Thank you very much for all this. There's wonderful joy ahead. Wonderful joy ahead. First Peter. Was that 1-6? 1 Peter 1-6. Yeah, well, right on. Cool. Oh, there's more. Wait, now how much? Yes. Life is good. Little candle. This is life is good. Thank you. Nice. All right. And we will all be at the garage sale next weekend. All right. All right. There'll be a photo op later. All right. Thanks, you guys. One more round of applause, please. So, like I said, that's kind of a, a transition. You know, we think of... Um, we think of graduation, I'll pull myself together here. We think of graduation as an end point, but it's really a launching point. And that's what it is for you guys as well, a launching point, right? And that's what the word commencement means. So when we have commencement speeches, we should be thinking uh, more of the future rather than the past, rather than the accomplishments we've gotten. We should be thinking about what this means and what goes on in the future. And so that's what it means, turning the page into a life uh, beyond, you know, uh, that open door that we're, that we're going through. And, and we face big moments like this in our lives, graduations, moves, times like this. But there's little moments in our lives that we should be celebrating our accomplishments and looking forward to the things that we have coming up in life. Maybe, and maybe it's a career change, but you're not moving uh, locations. Maybe it's a promotion, so you went from, from one location to another, but you're still kind of doing the same job at the same company, but you're being promoted. That's, those are commencement moments. Those are moments when, um, when new things are coming back down uh, the path at us. So that's what we got to be thinking about. And I think overall people avoid change in their life. I think they avoid changes at all costs and say, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, even though I might have better opportunities and different opportunities later on. And, and um, that's kind of what the disciples were thinking. Uh, that's what the disciples were thinking with Jesus. Um, so I want to talk about the changes in our lives, the commencements in our lives, the new um, opportunities in our lives with what we talked about um, with the gospel reading this morning. So whether um, we're talking about successfully, successfully completing a degree like their graduates this morning or, um, you know, with me, graduating basic training. And Tom, they say that's what you do. You, you graduate basic training, right? So a commencement is the beginning. It's a start. It's a launch of something else. So again, by definition, a commencement speech should talk about the future rather than the past. And that's what I want to do this morning um, with what we're talking about with the gospel celebration and with, the, with this Easter celebration that we've been going through. Um, because that's what it is with the life of Jesus. And as we understand um, who Jesus is, how he works in our lives, what he has accomplished for us, and what he is going to be doing for us in the future. Right? So that's kind of where we are on Ascension Sunday. This is a perfect day to talk about graduation and talk about changes in life because we talk about the past, we celebrate the past, and yet our eyes have to be fixed firmly on the future. Um, 
Luther, in one of his sermons that I read one time, and I went back and finally found it, um, he talks about four events in the life of Jesus. And he talks about those four events that form what he called the ladder of light. The ladder of light. The four events in Jesus' life that form the, the ladder of light for us. They are, I have them listed here, his birth, his death, his resurrection, of course, and his ascension. I think as maybe as Lutherans and maybe as Christians in general, we get those first three. We celebrate Christmas, right? We celebrate Good Friday and, and, and Easter, but we mostly concentrate on the Easter part, the resurrection part. But then we kind of gloss over this ascension part. We don't re- maybe we talk about it, maybe we've heard about it. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, there's certain Sundays, this is one of them, where we, we talk about a certain event, and we don't really talk about this the rest of the year. But maybe we should talk about his ascension a little bit more. And, and so Luther said each one of those um, events that, that are on the ladder of life, they lead us up a ladder, is how he described it, to the next one. And all four of those um, events point to a fifth event that is yet to come, and that's Jesus' returning. So as we, you know, celebrate all those things this morning, we look at the day that Jesus, as we say in the Apostles' Creed, the day Jesus ascended into heaven, right, as the Apostles' Creed says it. And, and then we want to apply that to our lives. To, we want to apply what we learn to our lives and apply those things to our relationship with God. And, and once more, you know, before we dig in, I wanted you to think about those two terms that we defined earlier, you know, the difference between graduation and commencement. You know, graduation, we kind of look bad, back, but commencement, when something commences, something is beginning, right? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the ascension of Jesus. I want to talk about that as the, the ultimate commencement in our lives and in the universe, in the history of the world. And I want to talk about those from three different standpoints, three different aspects, and talk about how they relate to our lives and why this day matters to us and why we should, like I said earlier, like we should, we should really be talking about it a little bit more. So I want to talk about it first about, I want to talk about the record of his ascension, how it's recorded, the number one, the recording of his ascension. Um, this moment in world history is recorded in Matthew, Mark, um, Luke, uh, and of course in the book of Acts. And then, um, you know, when you read it a few times, when there's an event that's in multiple Gospels, I like to um, kind of um, cut and paste them on one document, and then I, I kind of read through them, and I kind of try to make them match up and see, you know, who's giving what details where, who's leaving out other details. So it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kind of, John doesn't really talk about the ascension as the ascension. He talks about it, and he talks, you know, he quotes Jesus referring to it and talking about it, but he doesn't really nail it down. He doesn't say this is how it happened, because the way he figured it, the rest of the gospel writers had it covered. And of course, it's in uh, the book of Acts that Lyle read as well. But when you do that, when you stack them all up and look at them, one of the things that really jumped out at me was the simplistic um, view of the whole thing. How just simply and easily it was just laid out there and said, you know, this is what happened and this is how it went down. But when you think about the scene that Jesus is standing there with his disciples and suddenly he is lifted up into heaven, you know, you would think that would be a little bit bigger of a thing. We, you know, have a couple chapters on something like that. And when I was reading about the simplicity of it, I thought, you know, that reminds me of a couple of historical figures, and this is more for our graduates that are coming up in the next one, because I want to show you this figure from world history and play a little bit of who this. This is, of course, Julius Caesar, right? 
And the reason I use Caesar is because when we sum up Caesar's life, he said it in, in some very simple words. He said, this can sum me up. I came, I saw, I conquered. And I think that sums up a lot of what Jesus did, too. I came, I saw, I conquered death and the things that he's going now. And now Jesus is going back into heaven. All right, we can take Caesar down. That was just for an example. We can take Jesus, or, um, Jesus going back to heaven. And um, can I just say for a second that we're actually talking, we're talking about actual facts here. We're talking about an, an event in history that actually happened. Even though some of these events in the Bible sound almost unbelievable, right? They sound very unbelievable. If you Google, if Google something like this, unbelievable events in history, right? Unbelievable events in history. And that makes a good uh, Google search and a great read. So I did that. And I found this woman right here. I'm going to try to pronounce her name. Uh, Vesna Volvik. This is Vesna Volvik. She was a stewardess on an airplane that this is back in the day before we checked everything at the, at the gate really well, and there was a briefcase with a small bomb in it that one of the passengers brought on and, and blew a hole in the side of the plane, and the plane crashed. The plane went down. She fell 33,000 feet and survived. Now, talk about a moment in history that is uh, literally beyond belief, but, but there it is, right? So when we read these things in the Bible, we think they're a little bit out, outside of what I'm going to believe or what I can believe. But, you know, like I said, these events actually happened. Those, the, the disciples were standing there witnessing that day that Jesus ascended into heaven some 2,000 years ago. Um, you know, and if we were there... Uh, we, you know, and we had a cell phone. We could have recorded that moment. We could have recorded what happened there, right? Um, so, um, okay, so like I was laying out last week, um, Jesus was here on earth for 40 days after he rose from the grave, after uh, Easter Sunday to Ascension Sunday. Or actually, it's actually Ascension Thursday, but whatever. Uh, but there's 40 days between the day he uh, was resurrected and the day he ascended into heaven. But, but why those 40 days? You know, we talk about that in youth, our youth group all the time. We talk about these events that happen, but then we talk about why are we talking about this? Why does this matter? Um, why is it even out there? Some of these things, we just take these facts and we gather them and we write them down and maybe we'll be quizzed on this. How many days was Jesus on earth? 40 days, okay, got that check. But what was he doing there? What was, what was it all about? You know, if, um, why didn't he just you know, scoop back to heaven on the day that he conquered the grave and, and, and sent death to the unemployment line. You know, why didn't he just go to heaven on that day? But the main reason was so that Jesus could prove to his disciples, those 40 days, Jesus could prove to his disciples that he was indeed alive and well again in, in doing the thing. So in, in Acts 1-3 um, is what, what we look at and says that right there, Acts 1-3. It says, to these, um, his disciples, Jesus, to the disciples, Jesus also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. Right? And he did things, right? He said, you got anything to eat? You know, ghosts, apparitions, don't eat things. They don't drink things. You can't touch them. You can't feel them, right? Many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking. Look at now. What are the two things he did? He was many convincing proofs and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. So he's teaching them things about the kingdom of God. Now that I've got your attention, basically, he said, you know, you, you watched me die. And three days later, here I am again. And now I'm convincing you that I am alive. Many convincing proofs I'm alive. He said, now that I got your attention, maybe we can get to some of the things that you needed to learn, some of the things you needed to understand. And that's what we're going to talk about here, some of the things we need to learn, some of the things we need to understand about who Jesus is and why all this matters. Why does all this stuff matter? And what is it that we're really be talking about or should be talking about here? But that's been, that's been our main focus right there. That, that verse has been our main focus over the past seven weeks, uh, the past seven Sundays of Easter. This is the seventh Sunday of Easter. 
Um, one time Jesus appeared to over 500 people at the same time. Imagine, you know, the, the selfies that everybody would be doing with him right there if we had the phones back in those days. So Jesus is doing these many convincing proofs, talking about the kingdom of God. So we talk about um, the record of his ascension. You know, like I said, we were actually talking about actual history, things that actually happened here, right? Now I want to get into two main things here. Um, I want to talk about the reason for his ascension. So what is the reason for his ascension? Why do we, again, have this recorded in the Gospels? All three of the first Gospel writers talk about it. We talk about it in the book of Acts. Why is this even there? The, the Bible is very specific about Jesus ascending. And the Bible is very specific that, the, that Jesus ascending into heaven is a very good thing. Uh, turn to someone and say, that's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. I had, I had a boss that always said that. He'd be, be explaining something. He'd said, and that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing Jesus went into heaven. But um, that's kind of an understatement because John 16, um, 7, like I said, John doesn't actually talk about the ascension, but he talks about it and with Jesus. So it's, this is Jesus speaking here. It says, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, or literally when I do go away, then I will send him to you. Um, that phrase, um, best for you, it's a difficult one to get through um, in, um, in, from Greek to English. Um, but it really, Jesus is really saying, it is absolutely necessary that I go. You know, we say it's best for you, but this, he's saying this is actually, you know, very essential. It's, it's, it's so important. It's really it's the best thing. It's, it's the necessary thing. But it's, it's also this. It also means, this word means to, to bring things together, right? Jesus is saying, um, I need to go. It's best for you. It's necessary that I go so that you guys can be brought together in a different kind of way. And we're going to talk about that down the road a little bit. I don't have time for all of that this morning. But it's really necessary to bring you together. So Jesus says, not only is it best for you, but I need to go. So his ascension is the best thing for us, really a necessary thing for us. And that advocate, of course, that's the Holy Spirit, right? If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. And when I do go away, then I will send him and you will have the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. Kick that can down the road just a little bit as well. So we're told that that ascension is, is for our own good. The ascension of Jesus is for our own good, for our own benefit. But now, having heard that, we should say, we should be able to ask questions. We should say, well, what good is it? What best interest is it? What best for me? What benefit is it? And what, what literally and seriously, we should ask these questions. What does that ascension mean today? For me, right here, standing, sitting here today, what does that ascension mean? Why do we talk about it? And since he has gone back to heaven, since Jesus has gone back to heaven, where he came down from, it means a couple things, right? We can, we can, we can connect a couple of dots here. Um, Jesus is not only our Savior, not only our Creator, but also Lord and Master of the universe. Lord and Master of the universe. So um, how does knowing all and reading all this make a difference today? Well, we can probably easily say, everyone can probably easily say, maybe I should use, take the word probably out of there, everyone can easily say that, that Jesus is Lord of the universe. Jesus is Lord of the universe. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is Lord of the universe. I can't hear you. Jesus is Lord of the universe. Yeah. And, and most people can probably agree with that, get on board with that. But so here's why we talk about that. Here's why we read about that, because Everybody can say that Jesus is Lord of the universe, but can everybody say that, Lord, uh, that Jesus is Lord of my heart or, or, or of my life? Because until we can get over ourselves enough to admit that, 
that we don't tell the wind which way to blow, right? We don't tell every snowflake where to fall, where to land. We don't teach, <clears throat> we don't teach every bird, you know, what song they're going to sing, what food they're going to eat. And in that same way, and I, I, you, get, you get all that, in that same way, though, we don't know too much about ourselves as it relates to our relationship with God. Just like we don't know how to make the wind blow, we really don't know what it means to be in that relationship with God. So when we make Jesus, or we, we allow Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, the same way he's the Lord of the universe, then he becomes our advocate. He becomes our protector. Not protector that you're not going to stub your toe, but your protector of big things. Right? We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about everlasting life. And so when it comes to the ascension, then we have to talk about the results of his ascension. Now, I realize, again, that there's a lot going on today. When's the last time you saw a fashion show on Sunday morning, right, in a church service? We've got a lot going on today. We've got goodbyes coming. We've got graduates coming. But Jesus ascending back into heaven, returning to heaven, you know, imagine the party that went on there. And we might not think about it like that, but I want to remind you that the angels had no clue what the plan was. The angels, according to everything we read, the angels watched this whole thing play out in real time. Max Lucado's got a book called The Angels Wept. You know, they were watching this whole thing play out in real time. We knew what they knew and, and vice versa. They heard what we heard and understood what we understood. So, so what do we know now, right? What, what's the difference now? Because at the end of the day, I always ask, what's the, what difference does all this make? Right? What, we learn, what we learn, what we listen to, what we read, what difference does that make in our lives? Is it making a difference in our lives? I submit to you to make a huge difference in our lives. The fact that our Savior is in heaven right now and he wants you to be there with him someday. Your Savior is in heaven right now, and he wants you to be with him one day. It's going to look like this. There's a couple of different ways we look at this, about how we're going to be there and what, what we talk about and how these, the fifth element, as Luther would say, it um, comes from 1 Thessalonians uh, 4.17. It says, then together with them, the people who have already passed, this is complicated, but I'm going to keep it simple, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, right? And then we will be with the Lord forever, right? Jesus is going to sweep us up because he's in heaven now. He's coming down and he's going to sweep us back up again because like the angel said, you know, he's going to come back the same way that he left. He's going to sweep us back up and then we will be with the Lord forever. And then there's this one last promise that Jesus makes to us that means everything, makes all the difference. See, Jesus had been warning his disciples that he was going to go away uh, for a long time and that he wouldn't be there much longer, but he's going to go away, right? And they kind of freaked out a little bit. One of my favorite verses for us to talk about, uh, we, all, we always talk about that the Bible is full of promises and, and words of comfort. Jesus gives us some words of comfort in John 14, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to stick to just that. 
this is Jesus talking to his disciples about him leaving and going to heaven. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Right? He's encouraging them. He said, here's the deal. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is just like Philippians 4, 6. Right? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't let your hearts be troubled. How do we do that? Trust in me. And then he goes on to say why the benefit of why, of what you should put, how, why you should put your trust in me, the benefit of putting your trust in him. Verse 2 says, There is more than enough room in my Father's home, which, by the way, is in heaven. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? This is a promise. Right? The command was put your trust in me. The promise is I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's in my Father's home. It's in heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Put your trust in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where am I going? When am I going? When I ascend into heaven. I am going to prepare a place for you. Then he says, when everything is ready, verse 3, another promise, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. There will be eternal life with me where I am, where I am going. It's a good thing for you. It's in your best interest. It's the most important thing that I ascend into heaven because then I can do all of these things. So when we start to put that puzzle together, we start connecting all of these dots that we see here. Our Savior, we understand, is in heaven right now. And we understand he wants you to be there with him one day. What else do we know? Oh, he's preparing a place for you. Hmm. Oh, he's going to come and get you. But there's no getting around this other side because sometimes the world seems like a complicated place. Life is complicated, confusing, frustrating, complex, difficult, annoying, challenging. But you know what Jesus says to that? When we say that the world is complex, difficult, complicated, confusing, challenging, frustrating. What Jesus says about that, he says, well, you know what? It's a good thing that it's not all about the world. That frustrating, complicated, difficult, annoying place that you're talking about. It's not about the world. It's about eternal life with me, he says. It's about eternal life with me. When he calls himself our protector, he's not talking about complicated, annoying, confusing, frustrating things, no. He's talking about death, sin, power of the devil. I'll protect you. It's all about me, Jesus says. Put your faith and your trust in me. Jesus says, yes, you are who you are, and you are what you are, good and bad, but that's, it's a good thing, Jesus says, that it's not about you, it's about me. So let's start making it about him. Because Jesus says it's all about him and it's all on him. So the bottom line is this, if we want Jesus to receive us in heaven, we're talking about 1 Thessalonians, if we want Jesus to receive us in heaven, we have to receive him here on this earth. Yes, make him a part of your life. Open your heart to him. Let him take control. Make him Lord of your life. The one who ascended into heaven did all of that, and he did it for you. And it's the most important thing. Amen? All right, let's stand, please.